this story. Recently, we had the uh, couple's dinner at Beth Emanuel. Raise your hand if you went. It was a great time. Yay. So, uh, you know, Evan and I went to the couple's dinner, and it was a great time of fellowship. Awesome food, of course. Um, And some really good biblical encouragement to both husbands and wives for our marriages. And I listened to every word of it, and I agreed with everything that the rabbi said. I'm so embarrassed to say this. And I sat there and I said, I really hope all the other husbands are listening to this. (laughs) They really need to hear the encouragement from the rabbis. And I just sat there and I was like, it's great. So later, Evan and I went home and Evan was talking about all the points. And he was like, so what do you think? And, And I said, my mom's like, I'm not projecting enough. And I said, yeah, I think I'm good. I said, we're good. Everything's good. You know, I agree to what they said, but I'm, I'm A-OK. And Evan had a little different perspective of some areas that we could tweak and improve on. You know, some prioritizing, revamping. And after some discussion, I realized that maybe I'm not so perfect. And maybe some of the things that the rabbi said actually would speak to me and I can do some tweaking So why am I saying this today? Because today's a Father's Day message, and it's going to be very easy for you dads to say, check, I'm good. Check, I got it. All those things that Rena's saying, all those biblical things, I'm doing it, I'm good, happy Father's Day, have a good day. But I really believe that God would want to encourage you to hear his voice today and to be open to him saying, you know what, I am proud of you. You're doing a great job. Or to hear God say, I want to challenge you a little bit in some areas. And I want to encourage you to go further. You know, every Shabbat morning we say the welcome that says God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. So my encouragement to you today is don't be like me and just say good check and just hear it and say I really hope the guy next to me is listening But open your heart, like Gary said, and say, is there something, God, that you want to speak to me personally? I also want to say that this is a very uh, challenging message for me to prepare. I know that some of us here no longer have our dads in our lives. And some of us, maybe our dads are still alive, but they were not the godly example that they were supposed to be. And some of us grew up without a father or with a painful or hurtful memory of our earthly father. So I want to recognize that today, wherever you're at in this room, and I don't know everybody's story, I do know that God is our heavenly father. And as you listen to the message for you, even women in this room as a Father's Day message and men, God wants to encourage you that he is your heavenly father, and to touch that part of your heart that may be wounded or may be hurting. And I want to encourage you, maybe some of you don't know this, but Evan grew up in a broken home. His father left his house before he was even four years old, and his father died before he was 30. And Evan never had a father figure growing up in his house. But I remember whenever Evan and I first got together, he would always talk about how he would just sit and talk to God. And I'll never forget this. He always said, Abba, Father. And he always said, God was my father. And he said it in a way differently than I would say it, right? Oh, Heavenly Father, we say that. But he said it in a way that God really was his daddy, God, where he would turn to God And rely on him because his earthly father father wasn't there. And Evan also had something else. He had two men in his life that rose up to be a godly influence for him. Rabbi Michael and Gary oftentimes spoke into Evan's life where a father should have and wasn't able to. And he gleaned off of that. I don't know if Gary remembers, but Evan does and he speaks about it all the time. You know, Evan was a teenager and was in a relationship with somebody, and I think it was a party that they were at. Gary went up to Evan and challenged him and said, is this godly? Is this what God has for you? 
Evan remembers it. Evan remembers making a different choice because of it. And look, now we're married. So just because Evan didn't have the ideal of what God really wants for all of us, of the great heavenly God, the great earthly godly father that's going to do everything perfectly, it doesn't mean that God can't restore and give to you and touch your heart today. Amen? So my final encouragement is to hear that God wants to be a father to all of us in this room. God wants to allow appropriate godly influences and father influences in your life. And maybe God is going to speak to you about stepping up to be that godly father influence in somebody else's life. Amen? So let's pray. That was my introduction. But look, that was like four pages. We're like halfway done already. Amen. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for each person here, our fathers, but everybody else here in this room. And I do believe that you have a word for each of us today. I pray, Lord, that what comes out of my mouth would be words from you and your Ruach alone. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to speak clearly and slowly. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our ears to receive, God, so that you can take each of us Uh, God, from where we are to where you desire us to be today. I pray that you would bring healing on this day. I pray that you would speak encouragement and even uh, some challenge into our lives. I pray that you would have your way in this message in our hearts and our lives today. Amen. So today's message is entitled, The Purpose of a Father, A Perspective from the Parable of the Prodigal Son. That's like Peter Piper had a pack of pickled peppers, right? So I want to uh, review some of the characteristics of an earthly father. You see, God set a standard and gave us a model of what a father should look like. And he shows us what a father ought to do and how a father ought to live. And I want to reiterate today that in this parable, as we go through it, it's not about just our father's taking note for themselves, but for us to see who God is as our Heavenly Father. So I'm going to be reading from Luke, e-book, tree book. I like that saying, e-book, tree book. Uh, Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24, and I'm just going to go through the parable. It's familiar to some of us, but we'll read through it so we have our context for the message today. Verse 11, it says, Yeshua continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Amen. The first thing that we see here in this parable is that the father was present. The beginning of the parable 
starts out with a father and two sons. And throughout the whole parable, the father is always there. The son may have left. The son may have walked away. But the father never did. And the first responsibility and role that we have as fathers is for you to be present in the lives of your family and of your children. However, many of us and many children often experience the pain of a father not being there physically and present in our lives. And those wounds and a lot of pain and hurt are caused as a result of that. But God would want you to know that that was never his intention or his plan. You see, because Adonai as our father, what does his scripture say? He never leaves or forsakes us, ever. So Adonai, as your father here today, says, I'll never leave you. I have never left you. I will never leave you. I will always be there for you. And that's the standard that he has for earthly fathers to be present and active in the lives of their family. But he hasn't called men to just be present physically. It's not enough to just be there in body. You see, he's called men to be the priest of the home. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Messiah is the head of the Kehilah, his body, of which he is the Savior. So, as men and as fathers... The number one thing that you see is you have to be present, but you have to be present as the priest of the home. And as head of your house and as the head of your wife and the priest of your home, you're called, number one, to love your wife the way that Yeshua loved his congregation. I won't get into that. That was covered in the couples. But I will tell you love is an action word. So for all of us who say, check, I love my wife, and you can raise your hand, remember it's an action word. And there should be action tied behind that, not just, yes, I love my wife. And number two, you're called to lead. So the family unit should be following the lead of the father. The father should be the one guiding and directing and passing down knowledge and the one who's taking the lead as the priest of the home. Hear me clearly, it's not a dictatorship. You're called to take the initiative and the lead hand in hand with your wife, together. You're called to be present there physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. You're called to participate in the life of your family, to be the priest and the leader. And here's the problem. And I promise you this is an encouraging message. But the problem that we see with fathers and with men is that too often they're present, but they are passive. And we see this all the time in society that the men are there, but they're not really there. Look at me, men, very carefully because this is going to be an awesome word for you. Being passive as a man is not your fault. It's not your fault. It's ingrained in your nature as a man. This is a book, Captivating, that I read. In this book, he quotes another author. But listen carefully to this, okay? I should have typed it out. This is so small for me. The author says, let me ask you a question. Where is Adam while the serpent is tempting Eve? He's standing right there. This is a quote, Genesis 3, 6. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The Hebrew word for with her means right there, elbow to elbow. Adam isn't always, Adam isn't in another part of the forest. He has no alibi. He's standing right there watching the whole thing unravel. And what does he do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He says not a word, doesn't lift a finger. He won't risk, he won't fight. 
he won't rescue Eve. Our first father, the first real man, gave into paralysis. He denied his very nature and went passive. And every man after him, every son of Adam, carries in his heart now that same failure. Every man repeats the sin of Adam every day. We won't risk, we won't fight, and we won't rescue Eve. We truly are a chip off the old block. So when I say that oftentimes men are passive, you're there, you're present, you're going to work, you're doing everything, but we're passive, it's not to say you're not doing enough. It's not to shame you. It's not to say shape up and do better. It's to say a part of your nature, a part of the sinful nature, and by the way, women, this book is about women of what we do wrong, but it's a Father's Day message. A part of the sinful nature of man is they take after Adam. And Adam was right there seeing the worst thing happen, and he was passive. He did nothing. So as men, it's in your sinful nature naturally. You don't choose to wake up one morning despite what your wives say, right, Evan? All the time. You, you, they don't, you don't choose to be passive. It's in your nature. But what you do have to choose is the challenge to fight passivity. And that's going to be a choice. You see, your nature says just to be passive, to be there present in body physically, but to not really be active. So you're going to have to make a choice to actively be present in the life of your family. You're going to have to choose to put your family and your children before everything else. TV, uh, Facebook, the gym, your hobby, yourself. You have to choose to seek out spiritual godly things and to instill them and talk about them with your family. It won't come naturally. It's not a nat- naturally you want to be more passive. So you have to choose. You have to choose to pray over your children. You have to choose to put worship music in the house and sing out a song, even if you're a terrible singer, so that your children see what worship is. You have to choose to speak to your children, to instill godly principles in them, to sit down at the dinner time and think of ways that you can talk about the scriptures and Yeshua and what's going on in your life and, and bring it to life and not just fall into, well, we go to service on Saturday and on Wednesday. You have a choice to be an active part in raising them and speaking to them and being an influence and a guide to them and not just that big manly disciplinarian voice when the kids don't listen to us and you jump in like Evan with that big voice and you've done your part. There's much more that God would ask of you as men and he understands that it's a fight. You have to fight the passivity. You have to fight to be involved and to be active with your children and with your wife. There's much more than just being present in body. God has called you to be a priest in your home. Passivity will forever knock on your door until Yeshua returns. It will always say, don't worry about it, your wife's got it. Or you could, you could start tomorrow, start reading tomorrow. You know, next week we'll start our Shabbat dinners and we'll, we'll do it when I'm not so tired and not so busy. Another day you could put the worship music on. You know what? You, you did a lot today. You worked. You worked 12 hours. You've been doing overtime. You work six days a week. You deserve time to yourself. You need time just to sit and relax. And what's wrong with the TV? Passivity will always be knocking at your door. But you have to fight against it and be passionate in your family. The other day I went to Lorenzo's t-ball game. My little nephew, he's four. He's such a little peanut. And he plays t-ball, and he hit the ball. And you guys know baseball. I don't have to explain to you. And this is how my nephew ran to first base. I promise you I'm not exaggerating. And all of us are going, run, Lorenzo, run, run. And he's like this. 
<laughs> and of course, everybody's laughing or like real excited. So he finally, I mean, every time he, they don't get out in T-ball. So he finally made it to second and we're trying to tell him to run. And second base was the same thing. He was like this from second to third, you know, just totally not passionate about T-ball whatsoever. Finally, he made it to third base and I, I took Jeremiah, I said, Jeremiah, come on, let's show him. You know, at third base on the field, you could be, we were the third base coach, right? So Lorenzo's there, and I take Jeremiah, I said, tell him how you have to play. And we said, come on, Lorenzo, get in position. And Jeremiah's like, like this, Lorenzo. And we got in position, we're like, get ready, the ball's going to get hit, and you got to run. And we were psyching him up, and from third to home base, he ran. Now, if you play sports or if you watch sports, the worst thing in the world is to watch a passive player, right? You can still be a part of the game. You're still there. But if you're passive, it's, it's evident that you're just kind of like, I'll make it there when I make it there. I mean, picture that in football. You don't want to be passive in football. You probably break a couple bones if you're not aggressive. And so I say that as an example. Sometimes it's just so easy just to go with the flow of life. And God wants to encourage you. That is your nature, but you have the power to rise up above that. And you have the power to make a choice and say, yes, you don't have to admit it to me. Admit it to yourself and God. Yes, there are times that I am passive as a man. And there are times that it's just easier to just veg out and do my own thing and be on the computer. You know, in our house, we had to do a phone zone. I don't know why. Those phones are so addictive. I don't really even care what's going on on Facebook, and I'm always checking it. We did like a little phone zone in our house, and we're not even good at doing it. But we tell Jeremiah, when mommy and daddy are home, we're going to put our phones on the table so that we're not always with our face in the phones. And we're terrible at it. But it's up to us to make a choice to say, I'm not just going to be there in body, but to be actively participating in every area of our life. It will be a fight daily. You're not going to leave here today, come up for a prayer, and then, you know, wives are going to be like, woohoo, my husband's never going to be passive again. And it's going to be a daily fight that you have to choose and say, today I'm going to be active. I'm going to be passionate. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be prepared to see what's ready and in tuned instead of just kind of going with the flow. You are called to be present and priest of your home. The second thing we see in this parable was that the father was the provider of the family. Right? So in the parable, the father not only provided for the sons, but it said that he had enough for his servants as well. The father was the financial provider for the family. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. God takes this very seriously that we are called to provide for our families. You're called to put effort in to take care of the needs of your family. I know personally in my own life a couple of stay-at-home dads and some men who are struggling to find a job. My own dad, he actually worked seasonally, and there were many months that he didn't have a job. So this isn't about saying, you know, a man has to work and the stay-at-home dads are bad. But the principle that God is saying here is, as men, you need to care and put effort into providing for the needs of your family. It's not okay ever when you see a man sitting back watching TV saying, I don't care about childcare, I don't care about finances, I don't care about anything, it'll get done. What God is saying is, as a man, you need to put effort in to make sure the needs of your family are met. Men are certainly not called to abandon their family and forego their responsibilities. Even our court, our court system with no biblical backbone whatsoever, they have an understanding to demand money and a certain level of support from fathers. And again, men are not called to sit back and not worry about it at all. You need to be an active part in providing for your family. And today, I want to say you guys are doing that. I know many of you are working long hours and tough jobs just to make ends meet and make sure that you are providing for your family. And today and tomorrow, women, is a day to go to your men and say thank you. See, it's not about your job title or your status. 
how much you earn, the career, your educational level. It has nothing to do with how society would say, are you providing for your family? It has to do with your heart that says, I care about the needs of my family, and I will make sure that I am doing my part for it. The principle here is that you play your part. God calls men to work on behalf of their families. And because of that, I read this in a book somewhere, I have no idea where, but because the responsibility is most of the time, spiritually speaking, placed on the man as the priest of their home, I believe that you as men carry that burden differently than we as women. You guys have a different burden when you're concerned about the financial affairs of your house. You see, sometimes we as women can uh, be more faithful and, and less, I don't want to say paranoid, but we don't carry the same burden as a man does. And I believe that sometimes you men carry that more inwardly than outwardly that you do worry about your financial state and you worry about is your job enough and do you make enough and are you doing enough and what if I would have, you know, done better schooling or gotten a better job and I I don't want to say, you know, spiritually, but I do, I believe that that's a different type of burden in the heart of a man than it is for a woman. And today is a day that I would say we as women want to acknowledge that you guys are doing your part. And we want to thank you. And I want to say that God sees that too, that you're doing your part. And when that burden wants to rise up in you and when society is telling you that you need to make sure that your, your kids have the $500 birthday party and a coach book bag and all those things, that God is not saying that when he calls you to be a provider for your family. He's not calling you to the standards of society. He's calling you just to simply play your part. And when that burden rises up and when things get tight financially and when, when it's natural to compare yourselves to others who have a little bit more, not to take on that burden, but to remember who the ultimate provider is. And that is God our Father. See, he puts you as a role model as fathers, right? Because he ultimately is the best role model and father. And what does he say? I am your provider and I will provide for you. The next thing we see is a father will plan and prepare. You see, in this parable, the father had an inheritance laid aside for his sons. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Evan and I, as well as some other in the congregation, we went through the uh, Dave Ramsey financial seminar. I highly recommend it. Such good stuff there teaches you how to be responsible financially and how to prepare for the future. And there's a lot of good principles um, in that seminar and in God's word that says we need to be fiscally responsible with our money and how we spend it and how not to get in debt and how to get out of debt and how to plan for the future. And I think it's a good goal. I think it's a good goal for us as parents and for you as fathers to say, I want to leave a financial inheritance to my children. And there's nothing wrong with that goal. I will tell you, we're like maybe at step two of Dave Ramsey's eight steps. Uh, we're not at the place that we could say we have a financial inheritance left behind for Jeremiah. Uh, it's a goal, but we're okay with the season that we're at to say we'll get there one day, but we're going to work on being responsible for what we have right now. So I think it's a great goal to strive for. It's a great seminar to take. It's a a good thing to plan for. But the inheritance that you can leave for your children as the men of your homes would be a godly spiritual inheritance. You see, because money will fade away. None of it's going to come with you. And leaving your children a house or a couple thousand dollars is meaningless in comparison to the spiritual inheritance that you can leave your kids. But it takes some planning, and it takes some preparing. 
I know I've said this a couple times before. I thought when you had kids that you just kind of live your life as the godly parents that you are, and kids just shadow along and turn out to be great godly kids. Honestly, I thought that it was easy. I had no clue that to instill godly principles in them required, like, thought and planning and purposing and preparing your week and your day to make sure that your desire to instill godliness in them would actually be executed. It takes planning. We have to be deliberate for instilling spiritual things into our children. It doesn't just happen on its own. So today the encouragement would be to be the father number one who lives out the godly life. You know, don't just say respect your mom, but show what respect of your wife is. Don't just say don't lie, but be a man who lives in integrity. Don't just say it's Saturday, we have to go worship but worship in your home. Don't just say you're supposed to be in your devotions every day, but allow your children to see you in your devotions. Don't just say, oh, we need to pray for the world and things are going bad, but let them see you pray. Be the example because our children are sponges, good and bad. Half the things that come out of Jeremiah's mouth, I want to cringe because I'm like, ooh, I say it that way. They mimic you. They just do. You know, so lately on Saturday when Evan comes here for worship practice, you probably don't see him because Jeremiah hides behind there, but he sings alongside his father. Today we put some worship music on at home, and he was belting out a tune. I'm only sharing the good stuff. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm perfect. Jeremiah has a lot of attitude and stuff that we're working on. But I say that because they mimic us. So for you to leave a spiritual inheritance to your children, you have to make sure that you're, you're being that example for them. And not just saying what it is and not just assuming. You know, we can come here on the Wednesdays and Saturdays and, oh, they know, they know, they know. But what do they see from us? I mean, Evan and I had this discussion last night when I was telling him what my message was. And, and we, we got into it. Like, we can do a whole lot more. Are we worshiping at home? Is it once a week? Do we pray regularly? Are we just praying for our meals before dinner? When there's a need, does, does Jeremiah actually see us stop and pray? When I'm not feeling well, does Evan stop and pray for me? Do we stop and pray for each other? Does he have an example to follow? Or are we assuming that coming here is where he's going to get it all. And that's not how it can be. Your kids aren't going to get it from here. They're going to get supplemented here. Your kids are going to get it from being that at home. And it's going to take planning and preparing, an inheritance, a monetary inheritance. You have to plan. Okay, every week I'm going to put $10 aside. I'm going to do, you know, 50, I don't know what the kid's plan is, 529C, 501. I'm going to put an investment in for my kid's college education. So by the time they're 18, I'll have some money. I'm going to plan, I'm going to prepare, and I'm going to execute. And that needs to be the same way at home. You have to plan for it. And I'm not saying you have to go home and make a little checklist and color coordinate stuff. But you need to be deliberate in it because life will always get in the way. Always. Life will always get in the way over spiritual things. So you can go home and say, you know what our plan is going to be? Every morning at breakfast time when when we're eating, we're going to grab the Bible. That was one plan that actually worked in our house. Every morning we're cooking dinner and Jeremiah goes to grab his Bible and we sit down and that's our Bible story time every morning. But that was a plan because I remember year, a year ago, we were, what are we doing? Are we even reading the Bible for him? Well, when can we do it to make sure that it's the start of the day? And then it was executed. It took a plan. We had to talk about it. Every night before bed, same thing. Bible story comes first. And Evan prays over him every single night. So there's ways that you can say, I need to make a plan and prepare to leave an inheritance. What can I do to be more of that godly example and bring that to my children?
our godly father has an inheritance for us. He says there are streets of gold, a place with no more crying, no more suffering, and no more pain. And he's prepared that for us. And the best thing as parents but as fathers that you can do is put a spiritual inheritance in your children so that place that God has set aside as our inheritance as his children is a place that you know your children will go because you did your part to teach them and give them a desire to want to know God personally and walk with him. It's the best inheritance and it will go far beyond leaving your kids a house or money. The next thing we see in this parable is that the father had his priorities straight. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The most important thing to the father was seeing his son united with him. The most important thing to that father was seeing his son united with him. His priority was making sure that his son made it home. He left his servants, he left his family to go and make sure and greet his father, his son halfway there and bring him home. That was his priority. I want to take the time to stress this for two reasons today. It's so easy as fathers to get consumed with everything else, right? You guys go to work, you work long hours, you have to fix things in the garage and mow the lawn and the oil change on the car and take out the garbage. There's a lot on your plate. Hear me, I didn't make that list lightly. There's a lot on your plate as men. You have a lot of pressure on you and a lot of things grabbing for your attention. A lot of things that are coming up as priorities. I have to pay the bills and I have to go to work and I have to make sure I do this and the car needs this and the house needs this and things that are urgent and pressing and things that will always fight for your time. But the number one priority that you must fight to maintain is a relationship with God, number one, for yourself and number two, for your children. This whole life, everything that we do, everything that we're about, is all about being in union with God. That's it. His goal, God's goal for us is to be in relationship with him. And if you're still here on this earth, it's because he wants to use you to get other people in relationship with him. God's priority, the ultimate goal, the end goal, is being in union and relationship with him. And as fathers, we need to make sure that that's our top priority because, again, things will come in the way for that. You see, in the parable, if you go on to read, you know, the, the older son was in the field and he got a little mad when his brother came home. If you remember in the parable, this, the brother was like, you're going to kill the calf for him? I've been here all this time working for you. Did you ever throw a party for me? He went out and squandered money. He took the inheritance. He threw it away. And now he comes home. And you're going to give him a ring, a robe, the calf, and a party? And the response was, I'm skipping along. Let me see if I can find it. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. The priority was being in union with God. Priority. That is the number one thing. Don't let everything else in life suck that out of being your number one priority. I want to stress this so strongly because this was a rough week with the events that took place. With the shooting that took place in Orlando...
with the little boy in Orlando, with the passing of Marcia Corbett. For those who don't know, she was a Rebbitzin in one of the Messianic congregations very close to Beth Emanuel. We have to remember what the end goal is. The end goal is to be in union with God. So when we see things that take place that hurt our hearts and seemingly go against what we stood for and believe for, God would say to us, just like he would say to the brother, you have everything, but it's about being in union. When we can say that people are in union with God, that is the priority. That has to be the ultimate goal. So that though we grieve, we still rejoice. Marcia took hold of her inheritance. And when we see evil taking place in this world, all the more that we, everybody here in this room, would say there is an urgency that the priority of all of our lives would be to bring the good news to those who are lost. I was telling Jamela on Thursday, I was so flustered. I was crying. It was late. I did not want to go to this lady's house with the couch. I, my flesh wanted no part of it. But the priority of life, to bring another person the good news of Yeshua and show her an action of love, of time, of sacrifice, that has to be the priority for all of us. The purpose of this life is to be in union with God through Yeshua. That's our priority, but it also has to be our peace. There are going to be trying times ahead of us. The goal that God has is always the ultimate goal. There are blessings to be had on this earth. There are awesome things that he has in store, but this is not the promise. The promise is always the ultimate goal. And our priority must be to keep that as the goal for all of us personally and for us in our homes. My last point today is that the father pardoned. The sins of the son were many and to most people were unforgivable. You see, the son went out and squandered his entire inheritance. Just think about that. It wasn't more than he just took money and spent it all. It was the inheritance that his father worked for and set aside, and it was all gone. Studying the, the parable, I think it was Andy Stanley, he went out, he was hitting some lows, sleeping with prostitutes. He had to be in the same area as pigs, and as a Jewish man, that's as low as you can go, so hungry that he wanted to eat what pigs ate. I didn't know much about pigs, but I went to Benner's farm the other day, and I saw the pig and what they ate. He was low, this guy. He was rebellious. He was proud. He was sinful. He had enough to go to his father and demand an inheritance. He had no regard for his father, no regard for the work of the inheritance that was set aside for him, no respect. Everything that he did was a spit in the face to his father and his family. And yet, while he was far off, not down the block, not 10 feet away, not knocking on the gate, while he was far off, his father went and greeted him. With a robe, a ring, a fattened calf, and a party. And that's the love of our Father God. And for you as fathers and for all of us in this room, we have to learn forgiveness. Maybe we need to forgive our own children. Maybe we need to forgive our parents. For those of us in the room that didn't have the godly fathers that we should have had. For those of us who were even hurt by our own fathers. 
there's a forgiveness that God calls us to have. Because in this parable, the father forgave the unforgivable. And God is saying that as fathers and as children of him, we need to forgive the unforgivable. Not say it's okay. Not justify. The father never said, oh, I don't care that you spent my money. doesn't matter. It was no big deal. But he forgave. We need to pardon and forgive other people. It doesn't matter if it's family, friend, or foe. The ultimate lesson, which goes back to my previous point, is forgiveness. Because the ultimate gift that Adonai gave us was his son and forgiveness through his son. There's not one of us in this room that deserved that. Yeshua died while we were yet sinners. While we were enemies with him, he sacrificed his love for us. And we are called to live in forgiveness. And again, it's going before God and saying, I release this person. I don't need to justify what they did. I don't even necessarily need to make amends in the way that you have to be buddy buddies. God brings restoration. We don't need to force it. But we do need to release forgiveness in our hearts. I end on that note that the most awesome thing that we can do is embrace the forgiveness of Yeshua for us. And to be in union with God. All the fathers in the room today, you ought to be commended for the roles that you play in your family. Sincerely. And I believe that God would say the same thing, that he sees all that you've done for your family. And he wants to tell you that he's proud of your efforts. And he wants to encourage you and be there to guide you and to strengthen you for the areas that he wants to tweak you and move you forward. So today, let us remember that as fathers, you are called to be present. You are called to be the priest of your home and to fight passivity with everything that is inside of you. You are called to be the provider and to play your part to take care of the needs of your family, to prepare an inheritance for your children that will outweigh any monetary inheritance that you can leave for them to be deliberate in your actions and your plans to leave that for them. You are called to always keep Yeshua as the top priority in your life and the life of your family. And you are called to pardon and to teach your children what it is to forgive and how to forgive. And all of us here need to remember that this wasn't just what our earthly fathers need to do, but who our heavenly father is because he is ever present in your life. Whether you feel him or don't, whether you hear his voice or not, he is with you, never leaves you or forsakes you. He is the priest of your life. He is always active, always wants to be there to guide you, to speak to you, to show you which way to go, which way not to go. He has prepared an amazing eternal inheritance for each of us. He provides all of our needs for us. And above all things, he has provided forgiveness through faith in Yeshua the Messiah so that we may be pardoned of our sins. So I pray today that each of us here in this room are encouraged of who our Heavenly Father is. And for you as fathers to be commended for what you do and allow God to continue his work in you so that you can continue to be the godly men and fathers of your home. I didn't tell you this, Evan, but if you can prepare for the ironic benediction, I will close in prayer. Evan is going to come up and say a blessing for you. You guys can be dismissed. If I have some people available for prayer, Gary, Myrna, Evan, and Adeline, um, we will open up. Jim, if you don't mind putting something on um, this CD for us, and I will close in prayer as Evan comes up for the ironic benediction.
Adonai, thank you for your words today, and I pray that it was an encouraging message. I pray that each of us in this room, uh, not just the fathers, would take note of your heart today, and that we would be encouraged uh, to hear who you are as our Father. But I do pray a special blessing over our men and our fathers today. I pray, Lord, that they would hear first and foremost your heart for them and your pride that you have over them as they have strived to be the best that they could be as men, as husbands, and as fathers. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen them and that they would walk away today with a heart open towards you and open to allow you to make some some tweaks and changes in their life so that they continue to be even better than where they are today. And I pray, Lord, for those of us in this room that have wounds of our own earthly fathers, God, that you would speak directly into those areas, God, that you would allow each person to learn what it's like to have you as, as their father and to be able to heal and extend forgiveness for some of those wounds that were never a part of your plan. And God, I pray for every father, maybe not represented in this room, but that is not living up to their role. I pray, God, that just like we heard in this parable, that you would bring them to their senses, bring them back home, God, and bring restoration that only you can bring. I thank you for today and pray a blessing over each person. I pray an awesome Father's Day weekend with your safety. In Yeshua's name, amen. Uh, before I actually say the blessing, um, every time uh, someone, well, actually, uh, the actual Aaronic benediction is actually a priestly wrestling blessing. And I felt, I don't know, I speak to me that um, as I say the prayer, that those who didn't have a father or didn't have that blessing on their lives, what? Because I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm just a voice. I'm just a, a, a vessel. That as I speak it, that Adonai would bless you and would send you out as fathers and as men of God and priests of your homes. Because I never had that, as Rena said, growing up. And God has always been my father in every way, shape, and form. So let it be a blessing. <laughs> Yo her Adonai panavilecha vehunecha Yitzar Adonai panavilecha V'yasem lecha shalom May Adonai bless you and keep you. May lift up his countenance upon you. May he shine on you and give you peace. In Yeshua's name, amen.